What's going on, guys? Welcome to another week of What's the Word podcast. Joining me in, well, not the studio, I guess at my kitchen table is my friend Laura Osick. Laura, how are you feeling? Hey, feeling good. Feeling good. Guys, today, as evidence in the title, uh, we are unpacking a pretty important topic, the topic of anxiety and stress. And we know, I know for myself personally, that I've struggled with it. And if you're listening to this, it's probably evidence that maybe you want some clarity on it as well. And so that's exactly what we need want to provide for you guys. And so Laura's here. She has an interest in these things to say the least. And so Laura, before we get into it, what stresses you out? What gives you the most anxiety? Oh man. Uh, lots of stuff. I think just definitely probably don't go through one day without feeling some sort of stress. I feel really? like just we're in a world that just prides itself on being busy. And I feel like just stuff gets, just mm. gets stacked up all the time. And that's right. Busy, busy world. And Busy things make people stressed out, and I think there's a lot of things, right? I mean, a lot of you guys listening, you're in college, or maybe you're getting into your job, or you got a family, or whatever, and these things, as great as they are, and as much as we've prayed for them and asked for God to put these things into our life, whether it is getting to the dream college, or getting our dream job, or finding ourselves in you know, a marriage, these things, as great as they are, can be stressful. It Mm -hmm. can create a little bit of anxiety and angst in our life that inevitably we have to deal with and I think something that's interesting with stress and anxiety is sometimes the problems that we have aren't necessarily like the biggest factors in our life sometimes it's the anxiety and stress that come with them that kind of can become you know mildly debilitating and can really operate as pretty significant hiccups in our journey to getting to where God wants us to be in this life and so this episode's all about helping alleviate that I was having a conversation with Laura like leading up to this episode and I was like what if we called it like eight ways to cure anxiety? And she was like, you can't really cure anxiety. So what are your thoughts on like, yeah, you can't cure anxiety, but you can what? Like you can alleviate it, I assume. Like you can never be like stress-free, I guess. Is that like correct? Is why you're correcting me on that? Yeah, I think a lot of people, they experience a negative emotion, right? Whether that's I'm sad, I'm worried or whatever. And they think, oh, I just want to get rid of this. Mm. But God created the whole array of emotions for a purpose. And I think when you look at worry or anxiety specifically, I think that's your brain trying to tell you something is wrong, right? Kind of uh, just a survival thing. God gave us, you know, when they were back in the day, if there was like a dinosaur around the corner, you get anxious and you got to run away, right? That's your brain's protective mechanism. But today's an age, I think you hit it right on the head of talking about your, it's not even the thing that's stressing you out. That's the problem. It's that the anxiety surrounding it is so Mm. big. When you put it into perspective though, and some of the things we'll talk about, a lot of it is putting into perspective. You realize, wow, this thing actually isn't such a threat. Like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And there's so many times in my life where I can remember just I don't know whether it was a deadline at work or whether it was passing an exam or whether it was in a relationship that the problem was pretty real, but it was like just consumed and you know frozen with the stress that I felt. And it honestly kind of put me in a state of like shock of, okay, I can't really like, I understand that I need to be productive on this, but I'm, I have no motivation to be productive on this, right? I have no inspiration to move forward and do what I know I need to do. So what are other like negative effects of anxiety and stress in somebody's life? Like, what do you feel like is the problem with just operating in anxiety often? Yeah. I mean, I think it keeps, and you kind of said this earlier, it keeps you from doing things God's called you to do. It's that paralyzation of this is too much. I can't handle this. I can't 
you know, do the things I need to do well enough the way I want to do them. And I think it, it, that idea of like spiraling, right. It can be a tiny little thought of, you know, I'm kind of worried about this, but then it just, Oh, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. And then my world ends. Right. And it gets very dramatic very quickly. But if we let our brains go there, it's hard to kind of stop that spiraling effect. And I think that's kind of the biggest issue that comes with anxiety when you don't stop it at its core. And we'll talk about that too, is, um, you know, just that first, when you stop it with just that first thought, that spiraling effect doesn't have a chance to impact you like it does. Mm -hmm. And so for you guys today too, we have, or Laura at least has a list of things that I think are going to be, you know, a great help for all of you who may be dealing with this stuff. But I want to ask before we jump into the positive things, what are some negative ways of handling anxiety and stress? What have you seen that people do that you're just like, that's, that's not it. That's not the right direction to go in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely, first of all, just ignoring it or trying to get busy. Like, oh, well, let me just think about something else. Let me get busy. Let me, you know, scroll on Instagram. That's how I deal with stress. That's interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Calling you out. This episode's for me. Nice. Yeah. So just ignoring it. I mean, that's a problem, right? Because, you know, in the same way, if you had a physical ailment, like you get headaches all the time, but you just ignored the headaches, but maybe there's some real problem at the core of that that's going on. You need to go to the doctor and get checked out in the same way. If you're just ignoring your anxiety, you're ignoring the real problem that's there. And that's not a good thing, right? You have to deal with your stuff and it's hard, but it's healing. And it's what we have to do to move on with our lives and do the things we need to do. And I think Another huge thing, and this one's for me, is I definitely pride myself on not asking for help, which is not a good thing. I think a lot of people do that. They don't want to ask for help. They don't want people to know that they can't handle all the things that life is throwing at them. But, I mean, that's, like, huge. I think that's step one is sharing with someone you trust, mentor, a friend, whatever, that, hey, I'm really struggling right now because you're not meant to go through these seasons of worry and anxiety alone. Yeah, I think that's good. And so jumping into it, Laura, we got a little list here. What's the first thing somebody should do when they're trying to deal with their anxiety and stress and relieve some of it? Yeah, I think first off, you know, anxiety and stress, we all can agree that we've dealt with it before. It's something you probably maybe experience on the daily, but I think it it looks different for every person. Like you and I sit here and we say, what does anxiety look like for us? It's going to be vastly different for one another, but we still agree. We experience this stress. And so I think for you, it's first defining what does anxiety and stress look like for you? And when you're feeling those thoughts of anxiety, where, where are you feeling it? Do you notice that your chest tightens? Do you notice you start tapping your fingers on the desk or you get super restless? Does your, you know, you get nauseous? Do you notice that you're feeling anxious in specific spaces around specific people like those like we talked about it's your body trying to tell you your brain trying to tell you something and so taking note of when and where you're feeling anxious what are those thoughts that are happening and I think a easy way to do this if you're really you know kind of struggling with this is journal whenever you get those thoughts journal okay what am I thinking where am I who's around me because and this is something super practical but I think in the same way like if I was trying to eat healthier and I'm trying to, you know, not go to McDonald's every day, but I pass this McDonald's on the way to work every day. And it's like, man, it's right there. The Big Mac, it's just so good. And I pass it every day to work. What am I going to do? I'm pulling McDonald's goods or I have to get a Big Mac. And then I'm like, dang it. I wasn't supposed to do that, all this stuff. But to help that, I notice, well, when I drive out on my work, I go, well, take a different way to work. 
Mm. And it's that temptation is not even there. So in the same way, if I wake up every morning and I just feel down, I just feel anxious, I feel worried, I feel stressed, what did I do the night before? Well, I've noticed every single night I'm scrolling on Instagram endlessly and that's what I do right before I go to bed. Like take, go, take note of that, you know? Like those are easy things. It's, well, then just like I stopped driving by McDonald's, stop mm. scrolling like right before you go to bed and it, it's different for everyone. But I think those are easy things to kind of just pick up on of, you know, where am I feeling anxious? Why yeah. am I feeling anxious? What are your thoughts on social media being a source of people's stress? Do you feel like a lot of people would be better off without social media or what are your thoughts on how to handle that? Gosh, I mean, I'm a, I, I like social media. I'm on it. I like to post, I, you know, but I think it's a very tricky balance. And I think that if you are someone who is struggling with anxiety, specifically the anxiety that comes from FOMO, like fear of missing out is just a form of anxiety. Like I'm afraid I'm missing out on stuff. That's anxiety at the core. Comparison is also anxiety. I'm worried that I don't have the stuff other people have. And I think social media totally feeds into that. Um, and you just have to know for yourself, what are my limits? And maybe that's taking some time away from it and if the idea of stepping away from from it for a season is like makes you think ooh, like I don't want to do that or ooh, like I can't do that that's uh, probably something to note about yourself like why is this such an important thing that you don't want to give it up if it could be beneficial yeah. to you now a good sign that social media is an idol in your life is if you can't go without it mm-hmm. if the idea of just deleting it for a month a couple weeks gives you stress then it's probably an idol in your life and a great sign that you should delete it. So anyways, to find what anxiety looks like for you, what's the next one that people can do? Yeah, so the next one is no truth so you can identify the lies of anxiety. And uh, exercise for you out there, Nick, if you're thinking of something right now, if you have a anxious thought, a thought that you've been thinking that just brings you stress, usually nine times out of 10, at the root of that thought is some sort of lie that you're believing about yourself, about God, about the world. And I think that, you know, you can put that up against any thought and you can, it usually can boil it down to a lie. And so know the truth so you can identify the lies within your anxious thoughts. Philippians 4 talks about whatever is true, noble, the list goes on, think on these things. But the first thing that he says is whatever is true. And scripture says as often, meditate on scripture, meditate on truth, know God's word. And, you know, I think it's funny, the more I've studied psychology and like counseling, it's just strengthened my faith so much because science just reaffirms what the Bible's already telling us to do as far as like thinking on good, thinking on true things. And God knows that that's how we best operate. So that's why he commands us to do it. So, um, super practical way to do this. And I have people do this all the time is just draw out a T chart and have the anxious thought in one column and just write that out, whatever it is. And then in the other column, find a scripture that takes the lie away. Like what's the truth? What's actually real. Right. And so it puts it out in front of you and it shows you, okay, wait, this is the anxious thought I'm thinking. And usually also side note, when you write out these anxious thoughts and you see it on paper, you can usually read it back and think, Hmm, this isn't like as big of a deal as I think it is, you know, but find the scripture that is the truth in that. So maybe that your anxious thought is I'm worried that my friends are leaving me out on purpose and they don't like me. And the root lie of that is I'm worthless and you're Mm. not subconsciously thinking that, but at the core, that's what we're dealing with. So find verses on worth. Like the Bible says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says, are you trying to please God or are you trying to please man? Like, why do you care so much what your friends are thinking of you? And I know it's not 
you know, such an easy switch, right? Like, ev- like the amount of times that you've thought this same anxious thought, that you've thought the same lie over and over in your head has built a neural pathway in your brain, like a physical thing in your brain. And so the same amount of times you've thought that lie, you have to think the truth probably twice as many times before it's an automatic thing, like a switch in your brain that goes off and you start mm. thinking what is true. So Yeah. So how much... Maybe this is too much, not a direct application here, but how many problems would be solved if people just developed a consistent quiet time and read their Bible as often as they know they should? Do you think that would solve a lot of that? Or do you feel like, no, nah, it's not that easy? I mean, I think for a lot of people, it is that easy in the sense that it like God's word never returns void, you know? And so I, I will, you know, obviously acknowledge that there are people with literal chemical imbalances. They can't control like these anxious thoughts. They're feeling they need medical help, they need professional help. And that is great. And I think if you need that, seek that. But I mean, God commands us to do these things for a reason and he doesn't just tell us what to do because he's God and he can, but he created us. And so why wouldn't we listen to what he's saying, telling us to do? So what are your thoughts on, you mentioned chemical imbalances. What are your thoughts on someone who says, I can't, it doesn't matter what I do. I have a chemical imbalance in my brain and therefore I can't heal myself from my anxiety and stress issues. Well, my first thing would say, okay, well, you are self-claiming you have a chemical imbalance. I don't know if you're so (laughs) professional and can, you know, do that. But I think you can easily say this is really hard for me and I feel like it's harder for me than other people. And go talk to someone, talk to a counselor, go see your normal doctor. Like they can help you get resource that you need. I think that kind of goes back to the first thing of asking for help. Like don't feel, you know, ashamed or embarrassed. Like we all could benefit from speaking to a neutral third party on things going on in our yeah, lives. At the very least, if not mm-hmm. a licensed counselor, right? Solid. What's the third one? Third one is take your thoughts captive. And I feel like this is a very Christian cliche thing to say. It is. Even though it's like a biblical thing, right? Like we're called to do it, but people say it all the time. But it's such a true statement. Like you are way more in control of your thoughts than you give yourself credit for. Mm. And so it's deciding, am I going to be a victim to my thoughts or am I going to take control over my thoughts? And so the first simple way to do this is put your thoughts on trial. Ask this thought questions. How likely is this to actually happen? If my best friend were looking at me saying the same thing, what would I say to them? I'd probably say, girl, like it's fine. Like, don't worry so much about this. Or, um, if is this thought based on fact or feelings, that's a big one, right? We usually go to our emotions and that's where that spiral thing leads to. Right. But if we look at, okay, what are the facts? It's usually that this thing is probably not going to happen. And then sometimes our fears do come true. Sometimes these ancient things we're worried about do happen. So, if this fear comes true, will it matter in a day, in a month, in a year? Ask yeah. yourself these questions. I think it's big too when it comes to feelings that they're always that they are real, but they're not always reliable. That even though our feelings are a part of life and they are threaded within who we are, they should never rule us. Right? That at one point or another, you have to make the decision. Well, I'm going to take these. Th- I'm going to take these things captive, and I'm going to I'm going to rule my thoughts, and I'm going to let God overtake my mind. Right? So solid. What's the fourth one? Yeah, the fourth one. Problem solve. I think we are quick to give up. I think hmm. you said it earlier. It's kind of this idea of uh, I'm I'm paralyzed. Like there's so many things I have to do. There's so many things going on. I can't even. I don't even know where to begin. And I actually felt this uh, a couple weeks ago. And I, Andrew, sweet 
husband of mine, he deals with this all the time with me, but I get to the point where I literally just have, I feel like I have so many things I need to do that I just don't do anything. And I just lay in bed and I'm on my (laughs) phone and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? But he kind of helped me. He said, just write everything out, write out all the things you have to do as a checklist. And that was so helpful for me and just a practical thing. And so what the areas of your life that you're feeling so anxious about, like maybe it's school. Like I have test anxiety. I'm so nervous for this test. Well, study for the test, right? Like make a study group, write out, you know, what do I need to read? What do I need to know? Go to tutoring. Uh, Maybe you're super stressed about homecoming. Who am I going to homecoming with? Is someone going to ask me, get a group of friends. Like you have the power to get a group of friends and go to homecoming together. Like you have the tools to help solve some of these problems um, that are in your control. And that's the key too, is that am I worrying about stuff that is in my control? And if so, how can I problem solve how can I invite people in to help me or am I worrying about stuff that's out of my control because if I am then that's where it gets unhealthy because I can't even control it why am I worrying about it Mm, control the controllables right Mm -hmm. you can only worry about what's in front of you and uh, I got advice from a mentor at one point and he he was saying that write down what you all the things that you're worried about on a piece of paper and then cross out the things that you can't control and then take the things that are not crossed out and just attack those things with a volition you've never had before. And I think that was incredible advice for me. And you're right. I mean, if you're worried about all the things you can't control, you're going to freak yourself out. And so good word. What's the next one? Speaking of control, and we kind of touched on this earlier with the social media, but control your content. Um, the unfollow button is a beautiful thing and you can use it. You can control your screen time. Like we already touched on this, so I'll run through it, but FOMO is real. And I think that this constant scrolling, like we were not created to do that. We were not created to constantly be scrolling, constantly seeing every single thing going around us, hmm. going on around us. And so why do you say that? I feel like a lot of people say that, that we were, we weren't meant to, to see this much content or we weren't meant to whatever it may be. Why do you say that? Like what is there like, citations that say that social media is a problem have you seen social media in that become an issue in people's life what have what have you just studied and seen personally I mean I think not even so much like social media specifically but if you look at the bible like God says you know to like focus on his plan like yes serve other people and stuff but it's not it's not helpful to what God has for you if I'm always looking at everything else going on around me. And that leads to comparison, right? Which kills contentment. Exactly. And the Bible says like, be content, like focus on what God has for you, run the race and don't worry about what's going on around you. And I think when you're constantly looking at all the things going around you, the inevitable outcome is, Oh, but it looks like they're having so much more fun than me. It looks like they're getting a lot more stuff than me. Why is that? And then it just turns into this big thing. Word. Dang. Good word. Choose your perspective. Very important. Nice. And control your content. Or choose your choose perspective next. Yeah. Choose perspective. That is next Which social, one. I guess social media kind of lends itself to. Because we're, as we're talking about comparison, as we're talking about those things, I mean, if your perspective of other people is always, well, their life is so much better than mine. My life must really stink because they went to Cabo and I've never been outside of Texas or wherever you live at, right? So choosing your perspective. Talk to me about the importance of doing that. Yeah. And I think in the same way you have way more control over your thoughts. You have way more control over your content. You way more control over your perspective than you think you do. And so I think 
you know, it'd be foolish of us to sit here and say, just don't worry. Like life is good. Like, what do you have to worry about? But the reality is we live in a fallen world. Bad things are going to happen, right? That are out of your control. Some that are in your control, some that you cause. And, um, that's just a result of the world we live in. And so, but even so these bad things happen, you still get to choose your perspective. So am I going to let this bad thing that happened to me just ruin me and just you know, go into my room and never come out again? Or am I going to choose to see the good? Like, what is God trying to teach me through this? How can this be used for good? Um, and that is kind of just building up your skill of resiliency, right? Like the ability to bounce back. And I think even not in such a big way of when bad things happen to us, but in small everyday ways, um, a gratitude journal is a great thing to have. Like, what am I thankful for? Because if I'm focused on what I'm thankful for and what's going on good in my life, I'm not as focused on what I what I'm don't have, right? Which is kind of goes back to this comparison thing, which I think is honestly such a, and it's been talked about so much in this episode so far, because I think it is such a huge core issue when it comes to anxiety. I think, you know, it's most of the things, at least, I feel anxious about, and I've heard from other people, it it boils down to, I don't have what they have, or I'm not doing as much as they're doing, right? And Mm so, um, control your perspective, like be, be focused on the good that you have instead of maybe the things you wish that you did have. Yeah. I mean, run your race, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the only one that you know, that you even have the context to have an idea of anyways. And the thing is, when it comes to comparison, you have no idea what issues other people are battling. You have no idea what insecurities they have. You have no idea what problems may be popping up in their life or what they may have gone through in the past. I deal with that so, so many times is where people will be like, it must be nice to have you know a marriage and a house and a job or whatever. And people don't often recognize well, I've also gone through some things. My, my life hasn't always been peachy and as great as it's been. And I think we take that outlook on a lot of people of, well, their life's always been perfect. No, you just assume their life has always been perfect. You assume that nobody struggles like you when in reality, they likely are. And so that, keep that in mind, choosing your perspective. Uh, what's the last one? The last one and maybe the most important one and the one that I've really been thinking about a lot recently is be still. And this also is kind of Christian cliche-ish to talk about, but I, I was sitting with someone and we were talking about, you know, just she's, this person was feeling really worried and just stressed out about stuff. And we were kind of talking, I I asked her like, what does your relationship look like with the Lord? And it's like, well, I'm in church every Sunday and I'm there on Wednesdays and I, you know, am listening to podcasts about the Bible and all this stuff. I'm like, Hey, great. So what does your personal relationship with the Lord look like? And she really didn't have anything to say, right? It's this idea of my doing stuff for God or with God. And if it's kind of terrifying to think about how often you have just thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, and that sounds silly to say, but you, we, in this day and age, we always have a show on in the background. We're listening to podcasts in the car. We're going on a run. We're watching a YouTube video while we're working out. We're in the shower and listening to a podcast in our shower speaker. Like we can't even shower without thinking just Dude, that's me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's a little like terrifying to think about because you know, your thoughts make up your whole life. And so, you know, your thoughts become your actions become your life. And if you're not having a single individual thought, like in a day, that's not a good thing. And I do you think people always have something going because they're afraid to sit in solitude? Oh, absolutely. 100%. So, I mean, what's what's the issue with that? 
I mean, what kind of negative effects do you think that has on somebody when they don't sit in solitude and they're always trying to pump their brain full of, it could be the Bible. It could be the Bible. It could be music, whatever. It could be good. It could be bad. What do you think the issue is with that? It's a, it's a fear of, you know, facing the real stuff that's going on. Maybe you've gone through stuff in your past, maybe, you know, and I think that if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who convicts you of things. And I know in seasons in my life where I've tried to stay busy, I'm constantly watching YouTube, watching TV, you know, doing stuff. I think if I really sat and was still, I'd feel some conviction. And I think I knew that. And so mm. I'm avoiding at all costs because that doesn't feel good. What am I? Because if I sit there, I'm going to have to change something. If I sit there, I'm going to have to in this relationship that I know is bad for me. I'm going to have to stop doing this habit that I'm addicted to, but I know is bad for me and I don't want to do those things. So we're just not going to think about it, but that's obviously not a good thing to do. And so this idea of being still is kind of foreign to a lot of people, unfortunately, myself included. Um, And with the facet of I'm avoiding sitting by myself, but also again, we just live in a hustle bustle world that prides itself on being busy, doing the most, all these things. And so just a challenge to list like the listeners take like set a timer for 10 minutes and just mm. sit and don't read anything. Don't be watching anything. Don't have music in the background. Like literally just sit in silence and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? Is that we consume content because we're afraid that conviction may take its place, but conviction is the greatest gift we could ever get from God mm-hmm. because it's that, that drives and dictates our direction towards a better life for his glory. And so Laura, appreciate you being on. Uh, this was a riveting conversation to say the least. And so guys, hope you enjoyed it. Hope it helps y'all out, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace. I hope this episode helped you out and provided you tons of clarity and encouragement. If so, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review and also share this show on your social media. It helps more than you know. Until next time.